Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today we take a look back at Carolina's win to go to 4-3 and three on the season as they took down the Miami Hurricanes in a thrilling 45-42 victory in Keenan Stadium on Saturday afternoon into evening. And then, uh, of course, that leads Carolina into their bye week. We'll talk a little bit about that as we get towards the end of the episode. We're not going to really go super in-depth on that. We also have uh, some player news that you guys may have missed earlier today uh, on the website or uh, really just on social media. And uh, we'll tell you about that at the end of the episode as well and tell you where you can go and read about that that, that piece of information uh, when we get a little bit later. Later on into the show. But as I mentioned, uh, we are going to, of course, start by talking about Carolina's win over the Miami Hurricanes, a 45-42 to victory uh, over a struggling Miami team. This is a game that Carolina had a stranglehold on at one point. In the second quarter, they were up 28-10, to and they somehow let Miami back in this football game. Uh, there are a lot of different things that we've got to talk about, um, but this is a game that Carolina had to force a turnover late very reminiscent of the game a few years ago in Keenan Stadium. Uh, not quite as high scoring, but the game against rival Duke where Chad Surratt comes down with the interception uh, when Duke was driving to potentially win the game. Very similar situation uh, in this game against Miami, but Carolina pulls out the victory to close down uh, what was an up and down and overall a, a somewhat disappointing start uh, to this 2021 season for the Tar Heels. They'll, of course, hope to recollect themselves as they go into the bye week. But uh, first, I know you've uh, you've got some issue again with what was said in the postgame. Uh, Mac Brown is becoming a guy that every postgame now, you got to check in on what he's saying. Uh, he, he definitely uh, is fired up right now, and I think really just just as frustrated with this team as, as most Carolina fans are, but I think just really not wanting to admit it at this point. Yeah. Um, Mac Brown in his postgame, 
uh, said this. I don't mind people being critical because that's part of the reason they come, Mac Brown said. But if you're a North Carolina fan and you can't be really excited and celebrate tonight, you're probably not the fan we want you to be. Really? What Tar Heel fan that's reasonable left that game the other night and was excited they beat a Miami team that's not good, a football coach that is going to get fired sooner rather than later? Because if you left that game excited, you're part of the problem. Being critical isn't an issue. This team deserves to be criticized for the way they have played and played on Saturday. Um, They were an interception away um, from blowing a 17-point lead at home to Miami. Because if they don't intercept the football, I think we can all agree that Miami was going to put the ball in the end zone because our defense didn't stop them because our defense hasn't stopped hardly anybody all season long. Mac Brown had no problem being talked about when he got here in year one and turned the thing around and you won seven games and you won a bowl game and you were dancing in the locker room. But the second that your preseason top ten team um, fails almost every time they step on the field in a meaningful game, now you want to criticize first the media that you used to work with for ranking your team that high. And now your fan base would for not being um, happy about winning. Think Alabama celebrates winning games like that? Clemson, Ohio State. Oh, we're never going to be that. Well, um, let's just let's just put that out there right now. The, they are never getting to that level, and it's it's not. It, I, the, there's no denying that at this point. The great programs don't celebrate what happened the other night on the football field. That wasn't a great win. Your team overcame adversity because of your own coaching staff. What what is there to leave Keenan Stadium all happy about? I'd have been happy if you'd done what you should have done last week and this week, which was beating an inferior opponent and like Georgia you're, Tech, like you're capable of and doing Virginia Tech on your home field, but you didn't do that. So now we got to sit up here and be a little bit critical, but then you want to criticize your own fan base for being critical. That's idiotic. That's that's not that's not going to win people over. It's not going to keep winning their support, winning their money, which is what you're trying to do right now. Because as we have come to learn in this year, we're not where we thought we were. We've still got a little bit ways to go to be the type of program. No, long way to go. We think we can be long way to go. This game showed you you got a long way to go because you you barely won this game. My my feeling. I mean, look, was I happy that the interception was pulled down by Cedric Gray? Yes, of course. That's a, I mean, it, it's a win. But at the same time, the feeling wasn't a feeling of joy about the fact that Carolina had won. It was more of a feeling of joy about the fact that Carolina had escaped. Because this was a game that they should have won rather easily um, it, with where Miami is at. And it just feels like you're looking for that game that's going to turn around this Tar Heel football season. And right now, that game has just not happened. I mean, even in the game a couple weeks ago against Duke, it didn't feel like they were all that dominant. And, I mean, you left that game feeling probably better than you felt in this game. But the problem is, is that at this point, I mean, you're looking at 
a schedule where are we sure that they are actually going to make a bowl game? I don't think they are right now. If they play the way they've been playing right now, they will beat Wofford, and that will be it for the season. I do think that's a legitimate question, a legitimate concern. Um, I had a guy on the radio show today, Roddy Jones from the ACC Network, who said he doesn't think that's a foregone conclusion because of the schedule. And you, and you harped on this a lot last week. That was the end of the easy part of the schedule. The starting Halloween weekend through November, your gimme is Wofford, and that is it. You got to go to Notre Dame, a place you have never won. You're going to host Wake Forest, which should be and most likely will be undefeated in your home building. Which would be the best case scenario if they lose beforehand. I don't then I don't think there's any chance you're going to win that game. You've got to go to Pittsburgh, and there isn't a quarterback in the ACC playing at a better level than Kenny Pickett is right now. And then you got to go to NC State, who has everything in front of them to have the type of season you wanted to have. Yeah, and I mean that's just embarrassing, and that's the reason why your fans are are not happy. You, you, it's not only the fact that you're not having the season that you were supposed to. Everybody else around you, outside of Duke, which I mean, that's just I mean that's a disaster for them. They're completely falling apart. Outside of Duke, everybody else around you out, that is doing what they have to do with Clemson sort of falling apart a little bit and taking advantage of it. You are the only team that seems to not be doing that in your area. The, the other thing about this, which is why you should be worrisome about how this team is going to finish the season, outside of Wofford, these games that you're playing, they mean a lot more to your opponent than they mean to you in the grand scheme of things. Notre Dame. They run the table. They're going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Could be in the playoff if enough crazy things happen. You know, Wake Forest, NC State, uh, Pittsburgh. They're playing for the right to play for an ACC title and a New Year's Six Bowl game. There's been three previous times Carolina has played a game where the opponent was more invested, more committed, more emotional about the outcome on the football field. And what happened? You lost all three. You've got a month of those games coming up. That's why we're mad. Yeah, you got two teams. I mean, you got you got teams that are dominating. You got three teams in the ACC right now that look like the best chances to win the conference. And Notre Dame, a team that, as you mentioned, you've never beaten in South Bend. And frankly, you've never even really come close. If, so, Had you beaten Florida State, you would still be sitting here with a lot against you in terms of making the ACC title game. But you, in a lot of ways, controlled your own destiny. Well, you blew that chance against the, the Seminoles. You're not making the ACC title game. It's just, it's just not going to happen. But you think that we're supposed to be okay with that. I don't get that logic. Um, because we understood when you got rehired, the window. The window was maybe f- five years maybe seven years, depending on how long your energy and all that was there. You seem to be energetic, but the program in a lot of ways has taken a step back in the year you were supposed to take the next step. Asking us to be okay with that isn't logical. If, if we knew this was a seven to ten year thing, I don't think we'd all be sitting here freaking out. It'd be like, it sucks for Sam, but the longevity of him being around, you could see a situation where we get – into an, another New Year's Six Bowl game. We're, we're breaking the college football playoff discussion group. Today, that question isn't there, that answer isn't as clear as we thought it was going to be entering this season. Um, and if, if you don't like that, then get out of coaching. 
because you brought the expectations when you started winning at the way you did your first two seasons. I mean, I don't really know what to say at this point. There really is nothing to say. I mean, I don't see how this is a game that you're supposed to be thrilled at. If you won this game by 30, um, I mean, to be honest, even if you won this game by two touchdowns, you would probably be feeling at least some sort of hope that maybe this team can find a win or two in there. Right now, I mean, this that Miami team that they played the other night, I mean, you were getting run on by Tyler Van Dyke. That's not even that that is probably the worst starting quarterback that you've faced all season outside of maybe Cornelius Brown from Georgia State. Uh, I mean, Wofford, I'm not really sure what they're going to bring to the table. But other than that, that's the worst quarterback in ACC play that you faced. And he almost found a way to beat you. So there's, it's really hard to be overly excited. I mean, is it a win? Yes. Is it? Does it make them 3-3 three and three in conference? Yes. Does it put them closer to a bowl game? Yes. Those things are, are something to be happy about. But at the same time, I mean, the expectations, and look, they were very clearly over uh, overstated this offseason. I mean, it was. there's no way around it. This was a program that people thought was way ahead of where they were. We thought that they would be able to play, replace five of their most productive players in the last probably 20 years, and they haven't even been able to replace one of those guys yet. So, I, I mean, it, it, that that's on us. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the media, in, 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 you know, throughout the media that uh, agreed and thought that this team was going to have a great season. And guess what? Sometimes you're wrong. But I don't really know how Mac Brown can look and say that people should just be happy with what they're getting right now because there's a reason that expectations were so high this season and that you're hoping that they can get back to that level right now. I mean, you you can't you you can't miss a bowl game. You miss a bowl game, that is a disastrous blow to where this team wants to go. Um, I don't know. I mean, may you right now it seems like a lot of the recruits are still on board and maybe they stay on board. But then you're looking at probably having to get back to seven or eight wins before you can then climb back into the discussion that you were hoping to have. It was it's not an issue that you're not a team that's in the top ten in the country, even. We could we could live with that. We could live with at this point, we, we could live with the Virginia Tech and maybe even the Georgia Tech loss or Florida. So one of the two, if Carolina had still found a way to be sitting at 5-2 and two right now and, I mean, at least in the, in the hunt for the ACC Coastal, then you could feel like, okay, there's some reason to still be somewhat excited. Right now, you are out of the ACC Coastal race in a season where some people thought that you could beat Clemson when they still thought that Clemson was going to beat Clemson. And you're hoping that you can find a way to get to a bowl game. That is, no, nobody thought that this is where this football team would be this season. And look, it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be a little bit critical. But at the same time, should you feel happy about what you saw the other day at the end of the game? Should you feel happy that Carolina won? Yes, you should feel happy that Carolina won. But the thing is, is again, it's more of a feeling of relief as opposed to a feeling of, wow, we feel like we've got a really good football team here. I, I don't, 
I, right now, it's just really hard to be overly confident in, in, in what was out there the other day. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, they did the, – well, I, I, I guess Saturday was a microcosm of their whole entire season up to this point. They did some really, really good things, but it was never sustained success. It came in bits and pieces. And then they did some really, really dumb things that put them in a situation where they they could have gotten beaten. Um, and, and I was convinced that before Gray intercepted the football, they were going to get beat. And a lot of it was the the, the coaching in the fourth quarter um, and really just our whole mindset once we got up 38 to 21 – where we took the air, you know, we just we we quit being aggressive. I, I understand, you know, you don't want to push the envelope too much. You don't want to get too cute, and I get that. But in this era of football, there's no such thing as scoring too many points. There's just not, especially when you know that defense that you have is more than capable of giving up a boatload of points and not a lot of time. And so I thought that was the one thing where we haven't had a whole lot of gripes about Phil Longo as of late. The issues have kind of been out of his control because he doesn't control who starts at the offensive line. He can't control that his wide receivers can't create can't create separation, mm-hmm. and he can't control that his defense can't stop anybody at the time. But you can't control how you manage the game, and he mismanaged that fourth quarter, and it nearly bought Carolina or nearly bit Carolina in the butt. And that was something that I know Mac Brown addressed in the post game. We, of course, I'm not going to read Apparently addressed in game as well. Yeah, Apparently sh- he was very unhappy. And it should have been. I, I, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't put that. I, I, this defense is that bad that at this point, I don't blame Phil Longo if he says, well, where is my help? I scored 45 points, and we still can't get the – our defense can't – they had to come up with a stop by one guy that was pretty much the only guy that played consistent football. Well, it's like I said, though. In this era, there's no there's no so so no such thing as too many points. I mean, I, I get it. Look, and I don't I, care I, that Manny Diaz is, Manny, is, is Mac Brown's friend, or he might have been his former friend after their post Well, that, I don't think that's Handshake. It. I, I if mean, you've got to drop 60 on a dude and his team, you go drop 60. Well, they did last year, so I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the. That problem. was last year. I don't give a damn about. No, last but what year. I'm saying is, I I don't think that that is Mac Brown saying let's take our foot off the gas against the team. He scored 60 in their place last year and destroyed them. He ran for 550 yards. He never took his foot off the gas. I think that 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 last drive look that that left a lot to be desired. We, you were saying to yourself. Could we not have thrown the football? The only explanation that I have for it, trying to get Miami to waste their timeouts, but there was too much time on the clock. If this was a minute and change to go and you were running that, okay, that makes a little more sense. You're trying to leave them with as little time, as little timeouts and as little time as possible to be able to drive the field. That I mean, look, that makes some sense, but that wasn't the case in this one. Your defense was not playing anywhere near the level that they need to, and I mean, it, it, it almost cost you. And, I mean, look, you know, Phil Longo's a guy that I think, out of all the guys that deserve criticism on this coaching staff right now, he is way down the totem pole as compared to some of these other guys. But 
that was one that kind of left you scratching your head. And I think at this point, it's it's getting a little bit tiresome that you have these moments between him and Jay Bateman where it seems like they trade weeks, where one of them, you come away at some point in the game asking yourself, what 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 are we doing? What are what are we doing right now? I, that is something that has uh, you just as a fan you want to see that go away as soon as possible because you can't have those moments every single game. You, can we have games like the game against Miami last year? Not I mean I understand that's not going to be every game that you're going to be that successful, but can we have games where you sit at home and say? I'm confident in the game plan of the offensive and the defensive coordinator tonight. They were they were really good on both sides. Maybe the execution wasn't flawless, and that's why a team won a game or something. But can you get to that point where you're not sitting there shaking your head in the stands or at home and saying to yourself, what are we doing right now? It's year three. Year one, that's going to happen because you're learning how to – work together as a staff. You're learning the expectation of one another, each other's tendencies as a coordinator. Last year, you even get a little bit of a pass because it was COVID, and it just affected everything because you weren't in the building as much as you usually are. You weren't with your team as much as you usually are and all that. This year three, we don't have the COVID restrictions we had last year, and we're having the same issues over and over and over again. And and I harped on this after the Georgia Tech. It might have been the Georgia Tech loss or the Florida State loss. Or it was probably both. When Matt Brown took the job, he said, "I spent the last six years getting smarter, knowing, getting to know how to how to manage practice better, how to manage in-game situations better, how to do one, two, and three better." And that that hasn't happened to the level that it should be happening in year three. And, and it's frustrating because the, the Saturday was very reminiscent of a Larry Fedora type of game with the, the lead, the potential blown lead in the way the coaching staff put, didn't put the position didn't put the guys in position to make plays and win the football game the way that you expect this staff to do. Because we enter this season thinking they got the second best staff in the ACC. That's been proven wrong um, over the, over the course of these seven weeks. And so it's just something that that Mac Brown's got to identify that. Why are the coordinators having it's like you said, it's like hot potato. One week you're hot, the next week this guy's you know, this guy's cold or whatever. It shouldn't be happening anymore. There should be continuity. You've you've only lost one assistant that you didn't fire, um, and, and outside of losing um Brewer to to Florida. Like Oh, what? Robert Gillespie this, this exactly. offseason. Let, oh, decided. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel Which you. we knew Brewer all along was a fraud, and that's why his loss wasn't that big a deal. But it shouldn't be happening anymore. And that's that's what's most frustrating and maddening. It, had it been the execution, we'd be on here saying it's the execution. The guys aren't executing the plays. Well, I mean, look. And to a certain degree, that is the – Yeah, is, his guys still aren't executing. They aren't his, executing. His receivers are not executing. But Somehow – They're not being put in a position to execute. I mean, so, but well, outside of that moment, I didn't have much of an issue with his game plan. I thought he ran the ball a lot more, uh, which he needed to. Um, I mean, you're running Sam Howell a lot. I don't think you really got any choice at this point. He, I mean, you look at him, I think outside of Ty Chandler, and he might, in certain games, he's the better option than Ty Chandler. He's your best chance to run the football. Um, I mean, DJ Jones, 
Carried the ball a lot the other day. He had 27 yards on 12 carries. He wasn't great. Um, I, I just you. Other than that, I mean, I think he is right now. He is just working with an offense that is is not good. I don't think the pieces there are good right now. Um, your offensive line isn't great. Your running backs have potential, but they don't get the blocking in front of them that they need. Your quarterback is clearly rattled because your offensive line has not been good and your wide receivers can't create separation outside of one guy. And, I mean, you're having to run him a ton. So he's taking a ton of hits. There is no way that he is not going to come out after the season is over and have some sort of substantial injuries. I mean, the dude almost got taken completely out of the game three or four times the other night, including once on a touchdown run. Like... I mean, it's you've got to get better execution from some of these other guys. And we say it every week, but I mean, at this point, you've got to have other guys that emerge. And, and, and I'm, I'm beyond done with the same wide receivers running out there. These guys ain't getting the job done. Uh, it's that simple. I mean, Emory Simmons, I mean, he had one time the other night where I saw that he created separation and didn't get the football that he thought he should. Outside of that, there were no other wide receivers that I saw on the outside that created separation to get the football. Actually, no, I take that back. Justin Olsen had one where he was open in the middle of the field and Sam Howell threw behind him. That was the only other time. You had, of course, the catch by Antone Green that was made across the middle, but they just they can't consistently create separation, and it's gotten to the point now where you – if I said this to you the other night – if something was to happen or somebody was to was to be able to find a way to take away Josh Downs, I, this team may not score in a game. I, I, I mean, it is to that point now where you've got two or three guys and the rest of your offense cannot is just not getting the job done. And can we please start to see some of these young freshmen like, we're getting to that point now in the season. Like, look, I know you may not want to burn their red shirts. Some of these guys have already played in a decent amount of games. My thing is, to me, it's more valuable to find guys that are going to help contribute to a team next year that's going to have a ton of pressure on them. You thought this year was a lot of pressure with them being ranked, you know, inside the top 10 preseason. This is a team next year that if they do not win eight or nine games and win the ACC Coastal, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to question what exactly the direction of this program is yeah it's uh so we got to start seeing some of these guys out there and I mean it's the same thing on defense as well um it, first off it, it shows you just how good Josh Downs is because we're seven games into this thing and he scored in every game and no one has figured out a way to stop him he's a special dude mm-hmm. um and he got his uh he, he's gonna he got awarded by ESPN their midseason All-American despite Carolina's struggles he's having an All-American type of season Kudos to him. But you're starting to see the effects of not having anybody else make plays put a damper on this offense because Sam Howell was 17 of 26, not a bad completion percentage, but just for 154 yards. They can't get the football down the field unless it is two Josh Downs. Um, and, And so it's just something that the passing game isn't what we expected it to be, because we've been told under Phil Longo, simple route concept, uh, we can kind of plug and play whoever we want to. That 
as of right now isn't true. Um, and, and I think you recruited three wide receivers in your last recruiting class to be the future of your wide receiver and, uh, core as you were recruiting your guys. Because what you've done for the most part has been with Larry Fedora guys. It's time to see those guys on the field. Um, and, and if they lose a red shirt, so be it. it it's it, That's not worth putting your offense in a negative situation. Well, here's what you're doing right now. Here's the other thing. You've got to find out what you've got because am I wrong in thinking that they will take at least one, if not two, wide receivers in the transfer portal? I I Uh, mean, right now they're going to need – because they need playmakers, and they just don't have them. Clearly, they don't have them on the roster right now because if you do, you need to be playing them. It's that simple. Yeah, um, and I think it's something that they're going to spend this whole week evaluating that. As they should. Yep. Um, that's what the bye week is is a big part of using now is, is you're getting your guys healthy. You're kind of resetting the season. For Carolina, you're, you're resetting the program because you're at a, you're at a crossroads right now in year three because, as you mentioned, you think the, 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 the pressure is bad this year and the criticism is bad this year. We're going to expect you to produce next year because it's year four. And in, in, modern college fo- in modern college football, you get four years. And if the results aren't where you, where you need them, where we think they should be, um, you get canned. Um, you just had a national title coach get canned less than two years after winning a national championship. So I think it's something they they, they got to do. Well, look, I don't think Mac Brown's going to get canned. But here's the thing: this is if you can't get it, it the, the we've talked about it so much. If you can't get it done in year four for him, for Mac Brown's specific situation, yes. Are there other programs that it took longer for them to build? Yes. This is a coach that is in his 70s. You've got to start seeing these results now. They've got to start happening now. And also, you can't keep waiting. Another thing, like for the longest time, there was always this backhanded excuse. Well, there wasn't the money there. We can't. We don't have the facilities. We don't. We can't. We can't keep our assistant coaches. That's not happening here anymore. You've upgraded virtually every facility. Uh, that belongs to the football program. You have given your staff raises. You've done all the things that big-time programs do to be a big-time program and win at the highest level. So with all of that off-the-field stuff comes the expectations of winning all the field because all that crap off the field doesn't matter. What matters is what you do for 60 minutes on a Saturday and the result is in a win or a loss. So that's... That, that, that's where we're at. I mean, look. That's you, what you came out of retirement for. Yeah, look. I mean, th- this is a year that that is a step back. And, and it, it, it can happen with programs that, that build into being relatively solid contenders, which at this point is where Carolina needs to be. They, they, they need to be the team that year in and year out most people look at as the favorite in the Coastal. That's where you want to get to. And this is a step back. That, that's, that's fine. But next year, that means you're going to have to take a step forward. One of the things they're going to have to do to take a step forward is this defense is going to have to be better going forward. And, and it's got to – I mean, it's got to start when they come back from the bye week, and it's got to transition into next year. Uh, you mentioned it. My pick in the in – the, in my bold prediction to start the year that this was going to be a top 25 defense might be the worst bold prediction that we have <laughs> ever had on the history of this podcast. Is, is that worse than me predicting Eugene Asante would surpass Chasserat's total of tackles and he's not even a regular? I mean, look, I'm 
not going to be overly critical of that because I did have him as one of my breakout players, but that one was up there as well. There are just, I mean, this defense at times, I mean, it's just, it's the same things that are plaguing them week in and week out, and they cannot seem to get it figured out. And to, to me, look, it. This game was very reminiscent of Georgia Tech on the defensive side of the football, where in the first half, they did what they had to do for the most part. In the first half, I mean, they had allowed, what was it, like 80-something yards of total offense? And Carolina, the biggest issue for Carolina the first half, they took seven penalties for 67 yards. That was the biggest issue. But then in the second half, you comp- I mean, you got completely shredded by Tyler Van Dyke. You fell apart. You couldn't stop the run. It just, again, missed assignments. You had guys that were wide open. And I look, you could say, look, you don't know the defensive scheme, whatever. I don't think the game plan is to leave a running back wide open out of the backfield or let a guy slip in between zone coverage multiple times and make big first down gains. I I just, they've got to be able to eliminate that at some point. They struggled again to get off blocks. That's something that they've got to get better at. They, I mean, there's even when they're in position at times, they just simply cannot get off of blocks to make tackles, and they've got to be better at doing that. That's going to take, you know, getting in the weight room and working on that in practice. That's something that right now probably doesn't seem like that's going to get fixed this year. So that's something you've got to make sure you get fixed next year. The missed tackles, I think, were the most frustrating part the other day. And, I mean, it's even some of the guys that are playing well. I mean, you have times where, and I don't think it was him the other day. He actually played probably his best game of the season the other day. But we've seen moments this year from Jeremiah Gimmel where he'll make a really great play, and then the next play, miss a tackle. We saw it a couple of times from Jaquan. Darius Conley, who I love. I, I, I think he's a great player for this team. Plays with his hair on fire most of the time. But there are so many bad angles at times that are taken from some of these guys. And that's coaching. That's, I mean, look, you you have, I mean, your guys have to execute a little bit better, but that's clearly, if you're seeing a guy do it over and over again, like we've seen with certain guys, that's coaching. Uh, the most frustrating, I mean, Kyler McMichael, look, I... I I don't even know how to explain those two missed tackles in the open field. I mean, the one, he literally ran by him and looked like he was heading towards the sideline to tackle Mac Brown. It's moments like that. And, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to single out the kid and say that he's, you know, a terrible player or anything like that. I mean, look, he's done some good things here for Carolina. He has those moments where he misses tackles in the open field or he doesn't play the football, and it leads to a big play. It happens. It's hit and miss football, especially for corners. That's stuff that happens. He's a guy that right now Carolina needs because they don't have the depth at corner. But those are things that they have to get corrected if they want to win going forward, especially with some of the teams that are left on their schedule. If Kyler McMichael is the best we got to offer, we got a lot of issues. He's not an ACC quality football player, um, and that's proven. That's in the tape. Those missed tackles are inexplicable. There's no, there's no excuse that is worthy of of the missed tackles. But you blame the coaching because. You haven't corrected these bad angles that they're taking because we've seen it now in this defensive scheme for three years. 
And if you're watching film like you're supposed to be watching film, which is every practice, every rep, every game, dude, watch a film of them taking the, uh, of, of a water break. This should have been corrected year one, and it hasn't been. And I don't know if you can trust Jay Bateman and his staff to fix it because they haven't fixed it yet. And it's, it's really disheartening. Because there are some times where Jay Bateman, because it's like the few times Jay Bateman, his scheme is right. He's got the defense in the right play, the right formation, the right setup. Well, then we can't tackle. So it's one or the other. Either we're going to take a bad angle and not be in position to make a tackle, or we're going to be in a position to make a tackle and not make the play. Outside of Jaquarius Conley, Cedric Gray has really been impressive these last couple weeks. Mm -hmm. The defensive line, they've had their moments, whether it's Miles Murphy, Kamen Rucker, Javari Ritzy, those guys, they've had their moments. But as a team defense, it's like not all three levels are on the same page, and it results in big plays and busted plays, and it's really hard for any team – to overcome, let alone a team that's having to replace the type of office production Carolina's having to. I mean, look, they had 17 big plays the other night led up to Miami. I mean, that's and, and that's what it is. It's just it's missed tackles in the open field. And I mean, look, the other night I think was as bad as it got with the missed tackles. I mean, there were ones that were, were there for the taking and guys were just all over the field. Just I mean, you had a couple of times where Carolina dialed up the blitz perfectly and just couldn't make the tackle. And look, I mean, it's going to happen, especially nowadays. It seems to happen a lot more often because you just have athletes that are quick, twitchy athletes. You're going to have occasional missed tackles. But when you're going consecutive plays with missed tackle after missed tackle, it's something that you've got to be able to get corrected. You've got to start rotating other guys in or just finding some. I mean, you've got to eliminate those or else you're not going to be able to have success. The last negative thing that I'll talk about, we'll turn to some positivity here at the end. I mean, discipline error, discipline issues showing up yet again. I mean, you had and, – and look, I mean, there were a couple of them that you were, you were kind of just left shaking your head. I mean, the, the pass interference call on Jeremiah Gimmel in the end zone uh, was uh, – that, that one, I, I still can't get over that. He didn't even touch the guy, and they call pass interference. That was – I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, there, there was one or two from Tony Grimes that may have been a little bit questionable. There were a few of them in there that he definitely got the guy. And and look, that's going to happen with him. He's an aggressive corner that plays man defense. He's the, he's the type of man coverage corner that you want. So it's going to happen from time to time that those plays are going to show up. But, I mean, you, you had a couple of other mistakes that you could have avoided in this game. And look... These have popped up at other times. It popped up, you know, during a stretch early on last season, back in 2020. Carolina got it corrected. This is something that right now, especially for this team, they have to find a way to eliminate these costly penalties because if they don't, they're going to be in a heap of trouble with what's left on the schedule. Yep. Um, and look, some of those were out of Carolina's control. The officials made bad calls, but I you, mean, you had the unsportsmanlike too, where that's, Sam gets hit. That's one you're not going to complain about. Like, look, you like to see your guys standing up for him, everything like but that. But it's the other crap that they're not being held accountable because these same mistakes happen week to week to week. 
and it shouldn't be happening. And I, I brought this up a few weeks ago, and it, it is really stuck in my head about when Mac Brown said he doesn't run his team after practice. Running, in a lot of ways, used to maybe in this generation they view it as a punishment. But that that's how you that's how you learn to not do stupid stuff. I had to run. You had to run. Um, yeah, it wasn't little, it wasn't pretty for my, either one of us. My let's little be brother here. has to run. He's playing twelve year old basketball. That's how you that's how you build mental toughness. Because nobody wants to run wind sprints at the end of practice. Well, no. and here's the other thing. They also judge it based, like, what, what most teams will do is if a guy takes a penalty, he will run, but the coaches will judge it. If it's, if it's a very clear call. Don't let them off the hook. That's crap. Shouldn't happen. Run them. No, I'm not running Jeremiah Gimmel for that pass interference penalty that very clearly wasn't pass interference, but the coaching staff will do that. They will look. If it's obvious, if it's a false start, well, you're not getting out of that. It, I mean, you fall, give clear false start. If there's a play that is very egregious that you're saying, look, that clearly wasn't a penalty, we were freaking out on the sideline, then, yeah, you don't have to run them. But I agree. I mean, look. I, this hasn't been an issue that's really surfaced so far this year. That's one thing that they've done a good job of for the most part is keeping those untimely penalties. I feel like there was a time last year and even in the first season w under Mac Brown when he returned where we were talking about these untimely penalties killing this team. We haven't really had that yet. But now it's starting to surface a little bit. That wasn't the reason that they lost to Florida State, but it sure didn't help. And if they would have lost the game the other day to Miami, that would have been one of the main reasons they lost the game because they allowed, uh, with the penalties that they took, seven of them resulted in first downs. Mm. They took ten penalties the entire game. Seven of them resulted in Miami first downs. That... Is that that is the definition of penalties killing you, and you gotta you, you gotta get it figured out, man. Yep. Um, so look, we we've we've been rather negative here on the podcast. Uh, again, you we've done this a couple of times. We did that with the Duke game, where you would have thought that Carolina lost the game. There's not a whole lot of positive to take out of the fact that Carolina got a win. I mean, look, there there are a few that you can talk about. Um, first, we haven't looked at the box score yet, so let's take a minute to do that. Uh, Carolina, believe it or not, outgained in this game. Uh, offensively, they were not great in the second half, uh, and that's what led to them being outgained. Uh, they had uh, 382 total yards in the game. 228 of those came on the ground, 154 through the air. For Miami, 421 yards of total offense, which, again, most of that came in the second half. Uh, they ran for 157 yards. Jalen Knighton really got going. Carolina couldn't find a way to slow him down. Uh, he was a guy that coming into the season didn't even have 100 yards rushing on the year, so that's definitely a little disheartening. Uh, and 264 yards allowed through the air to Tyler Van Dyke. Again, most of that in the second half. Uh, you know, you look at some of the specifics for uh, Carolina. Sam Howell, 17 of 26, 154 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, Ty Chandler led the team in rushing, 18 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns for him. Sam Howell right behind him, 17 carries, 98 yards, two touchdowns. DJ Jones, as I mentioned, carried the ball 12 times, but only for 27 yards, not his best day, following pretty solid performance against Florida State. Receiving-wise, Carolina 
11 of the 17 completions to Josh Downs, 19 or 96 yards, excuse me, and one touchdown on 14 targets. Ty Chandler, two catches for 17 yards. He was the only other Tar Heel pass catcher to have multiple receptions in this game. Outside of Josh Downs, Carolina had one reception from a receiver on Saturday. And that was the 41-yard completion to Antone Green. I did want to say congratulations, John Copenhaver, first career touchdown for him in this game uh, on the two-yard touchdown uh, early in the game. So uh, he gets himself uh, on the board in his career. Jeremiah Gimmel led the team in tackles, nine total tackles, four of which were solos, one tackle for loss, two two pass breakups, and three quarterback hurries. I think very clearly his best game of the season, no doubt about that. Jaquarius Conley, six total tackles, six solo tackles, one tackle for loss, a good day for him. And then, of course, and this is a guy that we will talk about here in just a second, Cedric Gray, six total tackles, five solo tackles, one tackle for loss, two interceptions, and a pass breakup. A tremendous performance from him in this game. Cameron Kelly also came down with an interception uh, off of Tyler Van Dyke, who did throw three interceptions in the game. Of course, passed for 264 yards and a touchdown on 20 of 45 throwing. You had Jalen Knighton, who led the team in rushing, 17 carries, 96 yards, and two touchdowns in this game. Cameron Harris, their star running back coming into the game, six uh, carries 26 yards. He did go. Uh, he he was deemed out for the season uh, earlier today as well. So he got banged up in the game. That's why you didn't see a ton of him down the stretch. Their leading receiver, Keyshawn Smith, seven receptions, 73 yards, uh, and then Charleston Rambo. Carolina did a good job of keeping a lot of their other guys in check with uh, four receptions for 35 yards. The guy that hurt him again, uh, that most people probably don't realize, two catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Knight, and he had three total touchdowns in this game after not being really any sort of a factor for Miami before this game. Um, and, and and look, you know, Carolina, they escape with the win, and it's in large part due to Cedric Gray. He had two interceptions in the game. Of course, the most important one coming on the final drive with six seconds to go. The ball was batted in the air by Jeremiah Gimmel, made the play on the football on the blitz. It gets batted up into the air, and Cedric Gray off the tip ends up intercepting it for a huge win. It's definitely going to be one of those moments that a lot of people will remember uh, in Keenan Stadium. Uh, and, and this is a guy that I think deserves it. He started the game against Virginia. A lot of people, including ourselves in the stands, were a little bit shocked by that and saying to ourselves, wow, you know, Eugene Asante was a guy we heard so much about coming into the season. He was one of those guys in the preseason that we were not concerned about at all. I think both of us here thought that he was probably at the end of the season going to be an overall upgrade from Chad Surratt at the position because of how athletic he was and what we saw from him in the Orange Bowl game. Cedric Gray took over that spot, and thank God he did because they needed him in this game. He stepped up big time and uh, it w- was just tremendous in this game for Carolina. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun watching him grow and become this type of player that is becoming the heart and soul of Carolina's defense. If we're just being point-blank and honest, him and Jaquarius Conley, those are the two guys that you know Game in, game out, they're going to make those game-changing type of plays that you got to make um, because of the way the, the the way that we play offense now. You got to have guys that can 
help you in the run game, can help you in the pass game. Um, six little tackles, tackle for loss, two interceptions, and a pass breakup. It's a pretty damn good day at the office, if you ask me. And it's just, I mean, you know, at the time, we it, it sucked for Eugene Asante, but that's one credit I got to give this defensive coaching staff was they saw a chance to upgrade the defense. Um, and even though if the defense as a whole hasn't been better because of Cedric Gray, he's at least tried to make this defense better. Mm-hmm. He's making plays week in, week out, and hopefully after this bye, we can, he can kind of keep up that same production. He just continues to show how good of a player he is basically in all aspects of the game. Um, and look, he's probably a guy that's had some missed assignments and everything like that, but at this point, he's a guy that's making up for those at times with the plays that he's making and I, I he he can do just about everything I mean we saw him again even you know he had the two interceptions and the one he had to drop back into coverage this one was a tip where he just you know was near the line and was able to make a play on it he had another play where he dropped into coverage and broke up a pass against a wide receiver and I told you I've told you multiple times this year he looks better than some of the defensive backs out there playing the football I mean he was a wide receiver in high school but I mean, this is this is a weapon that Carolina needs to keep using. He's a bright spot that I think we can all be excited about. He'll be a guy that we'll talk a lot about in the off season going into next year. And I'm excited to see how he finishes out this year because he gives you a little bit of hope. And that's what you're looking for right now with this team defensively. I mean, look, there are guys that are trying, and that's the thing. These guys that are out on the field clearly they're not trying to lose or struggle in games, but. To see a guy that's playing as well as he is, coming in as a guy that we were not talking about really at all. He, he got on the radar in the middle of fall camp as a guy that was seeing more reps than we thought. Okay, He might give Carolina a chance to rotate somebody at linebacker. I don't think anybody thought this dude was going to be a starter. And arguably over the last two weeks, this team's best defensive player at this point of the season. So uh, it's tremendous. He stepped up and played well in this game. Another guy that you got to really commend. I mean, it, it didn't throw the football great. He missed a couple of wide receivers in this game. But at this point, it's becoming very obvious that Sam Howell is going to do everything that he possibly can to try to win games for this team. I mean, this man literally almost died four or five times out there the other night. I mean, there was one point where he gets picked up and planted into the ground. This was not one of the ones that we, that, that was flat. Or no, was it... Maybe it was one that was flagged. I don't remember. Where he just got planted on his right side, left a, a, a grass stain on his jersey. Keep in mind, this is a turf field. So the guy put him so hard into the turf that it actually got some of the grass coloring on his jersey. I mean, this guy takes a beating game in and game out. His second touchdown of the game that would ultimately be the game-winning touchdown, he gets, I mean, just taken out after getting into the end zone. Again, he's not played perfect this year. Nobody really has. And right now, with the fact that he's pretty much got one wide receiver, it's hard to be overly critical of him. He definitely deserves some criticism at times. But, man, the other night, I mean, he did everything that he could to try to win this game for Carolina multiple times, staying on his feet and taking big hits. I mean, both of his touchdown runs, he took big hits and just bounced off of guys to score. Yeah. um, Look, I've criticized Sam Howell this year, and he's been deserving of that criticism. Not, not Not this week. 
Um, Carolina isn't competitive in that game without him at quarterback. If we would have seen Criswell or, or, or Drake May, Carolina would have lost that game by multiple touchdowns. And, and that's just that's just the facts because the guy is willing to put his body on the line to go make plays. That's why his teammates love him. That's why we love him as fans. That's why we feel like every time we go into a game, we have a chance because he's our quarterback. Um, and, and it's it's really cool to see him having all this success individually. I wish there would be – I know he wishes there was some more team success that was filtered in with what he's doing on the football field. But that was a heroic performance, uh, one of many he's had in his his legendary Tar Heel career. And the best thing about him is, I mean, this is still a humble guy. He's not going to go in there and tell you that he's not getting the production that he needs from his guys. He's just going to go out and keep doing the same thing and taking a beating week in and week out. And I said it earlier in the program. I mean, at the end of the season, we're going to find out that he has some sort of injury that he was playing throughout the – there's no way. There's no way possible this dude has not suffered some sort of injury. He is getting absolutely destroyed at least four or five times a game. I've never seen a quarterback in Tar Heel history that has taken the beating that he has taken back there so far this season. And he just just keeps playing. That's why it's so hard to be overly critical of him. Is he the perfect draft prospect at this point? No. But he's a guy that right now... I don't think Carolina fans will want anybody else out there right now because he's just doing everything he possibly can. Another guy who's doing that as well is Josh Downs. You said it earlier. This dude is off to just one of the most ridiculous starts I've ever seen to a season. He has at least eight receptions and a touchdown in every single game so far this year. He is just dominant. And look, you would think at some point – that teams will be able to take them away, and they have tried. But this guy, every single game, finds a way to get even just a just a little bit open and allow Sam Howell to find him. I mean, these are like video game numbers that this guy is putting up. At this point, I mean, I, I asked it earlier in the season – when I think it was after the Virginia game when he just went off and had 200 yards receiving in that game. At this point, I think we've got to look at this dude as a serious first-team All-American contender when the season is over. Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, he's gonna ESPN recognized him on their mid-season All-American Award team. He's going to get some of the because of the type of season he's having. Um, and, and it's a good thing that for that award and stuff like that, it's not about team success, team success as much as it, as it is individual success. If, if Ohio State didn't have the guys they have and Chris Olave and Garrett uh, Wilson, you would probably think this is the best wide receiver in college football because of the type of season he's having. That's not maybe being a homer or being uh, you know hyperbole. He's putting up those types of numbers. And, and it's really awesome to see because at this point, he's the only legitimate threat Carolina has. And you kill, and you still can't stop them. That's what makes it the most most fun to watch because you know every defensive coordinator the rest of the way is how are we going to take away eleven? How are we going to take away eleven? I think we're starting to find out you can't take away eleven. Eleven's going to get his is trying to make those other guys beat you, yep. which is going to play into the hands of, the, of, of these opponents because our other guys can't beat you. But he's a lot of fun to watch, um, and him and Sam Howell they've picked up right where they left off on that Orange Bowl game uh, earlier this year. Well, the guys can't uh, the the guys around him haven't been able to beat him consistently, but I'll tell you. 
the, the running game, there is signs of life here. And I think that they've got to stick with this going forward. I mean, again, there were some moments where the blocking ahead of Ty Chandler just wasn't good. I mean, that last drive, part of it I understand from Phil Longo's standpoint. You know, on first and second down, you would have liked to see him throw on third down. But look, your offensive line's got to be able to execute better. You, you've got to be able to run block better than they did as the game wore along. They got worn down. And th- that last drive, I mean, they totaled negative two yards on those three carries. But Ty Chandler in this game, 18 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. When he has run any running room, he has shown you that there is something there. If they can find that down the stretch of the season, this is a guy that can be one of those helpers for you with this offense. We've talked so much about how important it is to run the football. And the statistics would tell you that Carolina's still running the football rather well. There's only one issue. Basically, all most the majority of that running is Sam Howell just making a decision to tuck and run because he knows that he's not going to have anybody open if Josh Downs isn't open. You need this running game to be able to help you out. It starts up front. They, you saw moments where they got that blocking on Saturday, and Ty Chandler was able to take advantage. You'd hope DJ Jones could bounce back as well. But that's the area where I think this team, if they want to start getting this offense rolling, that's the area that they have shown signs it can help them do that. Yeah, uh, Ty Chandler, look, his 18 carries, 104 yards. Those are good numbers. 51 of them came on one run. The rest of the game, 17 rushes for just 53 yards. Carolina's at its best running the football in the running Sam Howell. And that's great in a lot of ways because you're able to run the football. What's not great is the hits that he's accumulating on top of the sacks and stuff like that. But they've got they've got to stay committed to at least trying to run the ball. You at least got to try. And I think that's something that they've gotten a little bit better these last couple of weeks. Um, and it's, it's so much easier to run the ball when you got the lead as opposed to getting down and trying to play from behind. Mm-hmm. But there's benefits and just plugging along, plugging along. Um, and, and so it's, it's just something that – I think this bye week, I think it'll be a good week to try to evaluate how to get the, the run game going because Chandler hasn't had the type of season he anticipated to have, what we anticipated him to have. But it's partly not all his fault uh, because of the, the, the lack of production from your offensive line group. So hopefully they can find a remedy to, to finding more consistent running outside of Sam Howell and, and, and big plays from Ty Chandler. Yeah, so uh, we'll come back uh, here. We'll let you hear from DraftKings, and we'll come back and wrap up the show. We've got our player of the game, a quick player note from uh, this Monday when we are recording, and uh, then we'll tell you about a couple things that are coming up on the website and uh, the podcast side of things as well. So make sure you stick here with us and come back right after this break. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this weekend? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bet. Winner, winner, chicken parm dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a 
free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we welcome you back into the Heel Tough blog podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe here with you. Time to look at our player of the game, guys, for this week's game against the Miami Hurricanes, and I think it's very, very clear. Look, man, Sam Howell played great in this game, put the team on his back offensively. Josh Downs, another strong performance. You can't give it to anybody else besides Cedric Gray. Six total tackles, one tackle for loss, one pass deflection, but the biggest plays of the game, he had an interception in the first half that was huge for Carolina that set them up to go up by 18 and then he had the biggest play of the game to seal the game after Carolina couldn't hold on to that lead he gets the the interception off the tip from Jeremiah Gimmel that seals the game and uh, I mean we've talked about it the last two weeks he's been tremendous he was one of those guys last week that we said look him and DJ Jones played well but that was a loss that was just so disheartening and so unacceptable that you couldn't give anybody the player of the game. He probably would have back-to-back player of the games here. But this one, for sure, he definitely deserves potentially getting... I mean, if, if Carolina gets to a bowl game, this could be the game that you look back on and say... Cedric Gray almost single-handedly put this team into the bowl game. Yeah, um, he is deserving of being the player of the game because we can't always give it to Slinging Sammy or Scooting Sammy or um, or Josh Downs. Uh, just really excited for Ced because he's he's he was given an opportunity. He's capitalized on on that opportunity, and it's springboarded for him a breakout type of season. So I could be happier for a guy like Ced Gray. So we'll turn to the player news that I was talking about. Uh, it was announced earlier this morning. Um, just before noon that the Tar Heels were losing one of their wide receivers, a guy that has started a couple of games in his career. I don't believe he started a game this year for Carolina, but a guy that Carolina was hoping would be able to help them at wide receiver, try to get things on track this season. Choffrey Brown, he has entered the transfer portal. And, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I can't I can't really blame him. Um, and, I, I mean, he's had a rough season and it has definitely probably not been the type of two years that he imagined. Last year, he had some moments uh, where he played pretty well for Carolina, started two games for him a year ago, but this year, it just really hasn't translated for him. He had lost a, a lot of reps, and I think the injury really hurt him uh, back in, in, in the spring, uh, and he was really never able to recover from that. Um, but ultimately, I mean, look, I think it really started with that drop that he had in the game against Texas A&M in the Orange Bowl. He never really seemed to recover from that. He had the one catch this season. That was it. Uh, and it was a 75-yard touchdown. I mean, he's, a, he's an electric player. But he had a lot of drops. Uh, and it's something that I think mentally he just feels like it's best for him to move on um, and, and try to find somewhere else where maybe he'll have a chance to contribute. I think, you know, if he's a guy that's going to go down to a, a smaller school, somewhere like App State or Charlotte, 
might not be a bad fit for him. So I definitely think that, uh, you know, for him, this is this is probably what is best. It really stinks because I think he's a guy that if he could get those drop problems figured out, Diami had some of them, not quite to the level that we've seen this season from Choffrey. But if he got it figured out, he was an electric player, and he was definitely a guy that could have made it work in this Tar Heel offense. But ultimately, uh, he is going to move on and, and then find somewhere else to play. Yeah, he was a guy that was given an opportunity, and quite literally, he dropped the ball. Um, but with that said, thank you for all that you've done. Um, and I, I don't think this will be the last guy we see this weekend in the transfer portal. I don't um, think so either. By the way, the fans that are still just crapping on him, uh, I mean, look, the dude's in the transfer portal. He's moving on. It's time to let it go. The guys dropped a few passes. This guy isn't somebody that is, you know, causing harm to the program or something like that. Look, he's a guy that's moving on. He's going to get a new start somewhere else. It's it's fine. Carolina's going to be fine. They've got other receivers that they're going to look at. Hopefully this means that maybe one of those true freshmen gets an opportunity. Tylee Kraft even uh, maybe gets his opportunity. Somebody will get an opportunity out of this, and he's going to get a chance to go somewhere else and try to create a career wherever he ends up landing. So there's no reason to be, you know, be sour on social media Uh, my thing is is look if you're commenting on him leaving clearly you're not happy about the fact that he's leaving I mean I'm not I mean you're saying look we're glad that he's gone but clearly you're not you feel the need to comment on it Uh, people commenting on his post that he posted on social media uh, thanking the thanking Toriel fans and everything like that and people still basically turning around and crapping on him Uh, you look like morons so uh, yeah, I, I, I really hate that it didn't work out for him because I thought that there were definitely some some special attributes to him. He had some top-end speed, but he's a guy that, look, if you, if you can't hold on to the football, you're not going to be able to show that off, and he couldn't do that this year. And unfortunately, that, le- that led to him losing reps and ultimately transferring. So uh, we've got an article up on the website. You guys can go ahead and check that out. We go a little more in depth on uh, Choffrey Brown, uh, what he brought to the Toriel football program over the past couple of years, and then when Car- where Carolina goes from here now that he is no longer a part of this wide receiving core. Who is going to step up and help this team to find some sort of success outside of Josh Downs because they sorely need it in these last five games of the season. Of course, uh, you know, we've got everything from the Miami game. we got the recap up there. The stock report is going to come out here later on in the week. Uh, trench report, uh, that will be uh, going up at some point. That will be a go for this week for sure, yes. Moving forward, not quite so sure. So there we go. So, uh, you know, make sure that you guys keep an eye out for all that stuff on the website. Of course, we are entering a bye week. So uh, as we mentioned to you guys last week on the show, that means that we were pushing our midseason grades back one week. Uh, It's, you know, seven games as opposed to the exact halfway point of the season, but we feel like this is the perfect time to roll out those mid-season grades. Make sure you guys keep an eye on the website for those. Those will be coming out as well. And then, of course, another big storyline here over these next couple of days around Tario football is the recruitment of five-star offensive tackle Zach Rice, which is coming to an end on 
Wednesday, so may, or on Thursday, excuse me. So make sure that you guys are keeping an eye on the website. We will have something up for uh, to preview his commitment. That should be up. Uh, hopefully, uh, hoping to have something by tomorrow night for you guys to read. If not, it'll be on Wednesday. You guys will be able to check that out and get prepared for that announcement. And then, of course, we'll have the coverage for you after that announcement. Not exactly sure if we're going to be able to do a podcast to preview his commitment. I am going to talk to Zach Hubbard, our recruiting guy, tonight and see if we are able to do that. But for sure, we will have reaction to Zach Rice's commitment, um, whether it goes Carolina's way, Virginia's way, Notre Dame's way, wherever. Uh, we will tell you, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you the outcome for Carolina and what it means for the Tar Heels and where they go uh, moving forward in a class where uh, the, the major targets are starting to thin down a little bit. Carolina's looking at some guys that are currently committed as well, trying to flip some guys. There are still some uncommitted guys that Carolina's looking at. But it's becoming pretty narrow, their focus here in the 2022 class as we close closer and closer to that early signing period deadline with a class that's still holding together very well. These are guys that seem very happy to be in Keenan Stadium. There were a bunch of them there the other day. A lot of the pictures showed a lot of positivity, especially from Travis Shaw, who's the in-state five-star defensive tackle. And that's something you definitely want to see from a guy that is the headliner of this class and arguably the most aggressive recruiter out of the group. So... Uh, that 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 is the good news, and this class still looks to be in good shape. And we'll have you covered right up uh, through the end of uh, this class on signing day in February. We'll of course have you covered in depth in December. So make sure that you guys keep an eye on the website heeltoughblog.com for all the stuff on the field and all the recruiting stuff. Also, make sure that you guys uh, are checking out the podcast, both the Heel Tough Blog podcast and the Four Corners podcast. It's on any of those major podcasting sites, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, tune in all those major ones you guys could check out the podcast we would appreciate that of course when you do make sure that you subscribe so that the latest edition goes straight into your podcast library when it comes to social media Facebook, the best place to go. That's got all the audio podcasts, of course, all the video podcasts if you're watching right now. And if you're a listener and you want to watch, it's all over there on the Facebook page, as well as the articles. It's all in one central location for you guys on that Facebook page. We're also on Twitter. Make sure you check out the official Heel Tough blog page at Heel Tough blog, and then our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me at HTB Josh for him, and at HackZubber2 for Zach Hubbard. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! <laughs>